This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 6. Are the Gospels Reliable? In the previous episodes, we went through what was called natural apologetics, as we explore the grounds for belief in God, theistic belief. And we didn't really specify, of course, anything about that God, which is why we move on to the second step of apologetics in general, which is called Christian apologetics. So where natural apologetics used nature, and our reason and our observation of the things in this world to come to an understanding of God, the existence of God, Christian apologetics explores the evidence or the grounds for Christian belief. That is, belief that is specifically about the Christian God and the revelation of God himself in this world and in the texts of the Christian religion, which are predominantly the Gospels. Investigating God's revelation of himself is a natural outgrowth of knowing his existence. We've shown that God exists, that he has an intelligence, a mind, and a will, because he is the creator of the universe and willed to create us. And not only that, but willed to create us with minds so that we might come to know him. It is likely improbable that that God would reveal himself to us somehow more clearly Uh, beyond the more obscure natural revelation that we went over in the previous episodes. So why do we jump immediately to the Christian Gospels? Isn't that some kind of bias? Why don't we explore other claims of God's revelation of himself in this world? Well, the reason we go to the Gospels is because the Judeo-Christian claim of God's revelation is one of the only that makes such a strongly historical claim. That is that Everything stands or falls based on whether or not certain historical facts occurred. It is not a mere religion of the mind. It is not some self-help philosophy or anything like that. It is belief that we say comes from certain things taught to us by God because of certain things he did in history, certain miracles that he performed to ratify his testimony, to show that it is from God. Ancient pagan religions, for example, weren't painted as or really believed as real history, or even if they were, everything happened in some uh, nondescript past age, and there's no other offering of proof for anything. Islam is the same. It kind of makes a historical claim, but that historical claim is merely a private revelation to one individual, that is Muhammad, in which uh, an angel recited the Quran to him. This has no other external proof or corroborating evidence. So exploring the historical truth of Islam is really down to whether or not this actually happened. All we have to go on is the testimony of one individual. Whereas the Judeo-Christian revelation is written in large part as history. And there are many lines within scripture and the gospels in particular, which make this claim uh, distinct. One that comes to mind is in uh, the apostle John's first letter. The very first thing he says is, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have touched, the word of life. And at the end of John's gospel, after the crucifixion, he says, 
This is the disciple who gives testimony of these things and has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. St. Peter even talks about how he and James and John heard and saw Christ transfigured on Mount Tabor. They saw it with their own eyes, and they saw Moses and Elijah with him, and they saw him in the cloud, and they heard the voice coming from the cloud. These are not theoretical things. These are historical claims. They're saying all this stuff really happened. And you know, in the Gospels, they give a lot of historical context. You know, when certain things happened, who was the governor of Judea, etc., etc. So that is why we look at Christian revelation more than any other. It makes the most strong and bold historical claims. Just to finish off this point, we need to remember what St. Paul said. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then your faith is in vain. That's how much historical emphasis there is on the Christian revelation. Now, in order to determine the question of this episode, are the Gospels reliable? Traditionally, there are three things to consider. One is called authenticity. Are the Gospels written by who they say they're written by? So we know the Gospel authors are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Are the people that actually wrote the Gospels those four historical figures? Matthew, former tax collector, then apostle of Christ. Mark, a disciple of Christ who accompanied St. Peter. Luke, a companion of St. Paul and a disciple of Christ. And John, the beloved disciple in the Gospels. Are these really written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? So that's the criterion of authenticity. The second one to be considered is called integrity. That is, do the Gospels that we have now, that we can go buy in a store and hold in our hands and open up the pages and read, are those the same words that were written by the original authors? How do we know that it hasn't changed substantially? Do we have trust that what the original Gospel authors wrote is what we now read? Or was there some development or change or mutation or whatever? The third one is called trustworthiness, or even sometimes reliability. And that is, do the people that wrote the Gospels, were they able to know the truth or were they able to know the events about which they wrote? Are they reliable witnesses to the things that they wrote about? Were they first-hand witnesses, second-hand witnesses, and if they were second-hand, is what they tell us reliable? And further, even if they were witnesses or able to be witnesses of such things, did they have any intention to deceive? Was there a motive for them to uh, write down false history to deceive us for some reason. So those are the three criteria that we need to investigate to see whether or not the Gospels are reliable history because they claim to be history. That's an important point. People don't understand that the Gospels themselves claim internally to be historical texts, like reports of stuff that went on. They, they're not just... Um, uh, it's not a book of aphorisms or sayings or it's not a self-help book. It's history. So let's look at this first criterion of authenticity. Are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four real historical figures that we hear about in the Gospels, are they the actual authors of those four Gospels? Well, keep in mind that the doubt about the authenticity of the authorship of the Gospels is a fairly new phenomenon. We're talking 18th, 19th, 20th century. And the doubt usually arose because there was doubt about the dates of the of the Gospels. There was a belief that there was some development of the writings of the Gospels by some uh, faith community that happened afterwards. And that's because the biblical critics 
that have this opinion and doubt the authorship of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's because they disbelieve in the supernatural and they disbelieve in miracles because they look at the things predicted by Christ, for example, that hadn't happened yet at the time of Christ, for example, the fall of Jerusalem in the year 70, and they say, well, prophecy's not real, miracles aren't real, and so therefore this was added later after the actual fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So it couldn't have been written any time earlier than that, and it was probably written long after that and embellished. They also say that, look, there's report of miracles in the Gospels, and those obviously can't happen, so this was added on later by a faith community that had grown this person of Christ into some mythical figure. So that's the reason why they doubt the authenticity, because the testimony of the early church, we're talking first, second, third centuries, it was unanimous that these four books were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just to read a couple of examples, there's many you could find, but this is a short podcast. St. Irenaeus of Lyon, his name uh, might be familiar to you. He's from around the year 130 to 200. That's when he lived. And he said, quote, Matthew brought out a written gospel among the Jews in their own style when Peter and Paul were preaching the gospel at Rome and founding the church. But after their demise, Mark himself, the disciple and recorder of Peter, has also handed on to us in writing what had been proclaimed by Peter. And Luke, the follower of Paul, set forth in a book the gospel that was proclaimed by him. Later, John, the disciple of the Lord and the one who leaned against his chest, also put out a gospel while residing in Ephesus of Asia." End quote. Another example, Justin Martyr says, and he lived from about 100 to 165, said, For the apostles, in the memoirs composed by them, which are called the Gospels, have thus delivered unto us what was enjoined upon them, that Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, said, This do in remembrance of me, this is my body. And that after the same manner, having taken the cup and given thanks, he said, This is my blood, and gave it to them alone. End quote. So here Justin is confirming that the Gospels were written, he calls them memoirs, were written by the apostles. Uh, a third one, a last one that I'll give you, St. Clement of Alexandria, who lived from about 150 to 215, said, quote, Mark, the follower of Peter, while Peter was publicly preaching the gospel at Rome in the presence of some of Caesar's knights and uttering many testimonies about Christ, on their asking him to let them have a record of the things that had been said, wrote the gospel that is called the Gospel of Mark from the things said by Peter, just as Luke is recognized as the pen that wrote the Acts of the Apostles and as the translator of the letter of Paul to the Hebrews, end quote. So you can see here that, and I could go on and read about a hundred more of these, that there was no dispute that the apostles themselves wrote the texts that are considered the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or rather, the apostles Matthew and John and the disciples and companions of the apostles Peter and Paul, Mark and Luke. So that was authenticity. Let's move on to integrity. That is, do the words we have now in the Gospels match the words that were actually written by the apostles themselves. Well, we have no original copies, uh, no autographed originals from the apostles, and that's not unusual. In fact, it's pretty much the case with every ancient text. But what we'll find is that the manuscript evidence for the Gospels is much stronger than for other historical texts that we take for granted as real and uh, integral, that the number of copies we have of such manuscripts is vastly more than the manuscripts for other texts that we accept as historical and accurate and integral, and that we can trace a historical lineage because of the number of copies throughout history and show that there is not much change at all, certainly no substantial change in the text of the Gospels, both uh, from the earliest manuscripts that we have up until the latest ma manuscripts that we have. We also can see that 
In the time before the earliest manuscript that we have of the Gospels, we also have the testimony of the fathers of the church and other sources quoting from the Gospels, quoting from manuscripts that we don't physically have, but that they had. And based on the words of the fathers of the church alone, we can kind of reconstruct the Gospels and show that the uh, integrity is there, that there's not any substantial change from the time of the early fathers of the church up until now. And the likelihood that there was substantial change that could have happened between the time of the apostles and the time of the fathers of the church, which in some uh, respect overlaps. Some of the earliest fathers of the church were disciples of the apostles themselves. So the possibility that there was substantial change and addition between the time of the apostles and the time of the fathers of the church is very low. Now to quickly give perspective on how strong the weight of testimony for the integrity of the Gospels is compared to other things that we believe without any hesitation to be authentic and integral. Uh, let's take the writings of Plato. Uh, the earliest copy we have is from the year 900 AD. That's 1200 years after the death of Plato. And there's only seven copies we have. So that's 1200 years between the death of Plato himself and the earliest copy we have of his writings. But most people don't really doubt and have no reason to doubt the authenticity, or rather the integrity, of his writings as we have them now. Think about the writings of Aristotle. Aristotle died in 322 BC. The earliest copy we have is from the year 1100 AD, that's 1400 year span, and we have less than 50 copies. And yet very few people would uh, protest and say that we can't know that this is what Aristotle wrote and it doesn't accurately represent his thought. Now, by comparison, the New Testament, uh, was written uh, between the years 50 and 100 AD. The earliest copy we have is from the 2nd century, the year 130 AD. So this is within the lifetime of those fathers of the church who were disciples of the apostles themselves. That's less than 100 years between the writing and the earliest copy, compared again to 1400 years in the case of Aristotle and 1200 years in the case of Plato. We have 5,600 copies compared to the less than 50 in the case of Aristotle and seven in the case of Plato. And the accuracy of the copies compared with one another, the earliest to the latest, is 99%, over 99%, in fact. So to doubt the historicity, or the, rather the integrity of the Gospels, to say that it changed significantly uh, over time, and that's why there are certain things that seem supernatural, and that it doesn't really accurately represent Christ's claims to divinity, for example, that's a very difficult case to make, because the New, St New Testament is on way stronger footing than most other texts that we would accept without hesitation. To finish quickly with uh, credibility, or reliability of the authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have two first-hand witnesses, apostles Matthew and John, and two second-hand witnesses, the disciples Mark and Luke. Now obviously from our argument in uh, authenticity portion, we show that they were in fact those historical figures, that they had this close relationship either to Christ or to his apostles uh, in the case of Mark and Luke. And so, therefore, they were able to accurately report his teachings. Regarding their motive, it's hard to see what motive they may have had to lie. Uh, the apostles and disciples of Christ in the early years of the church almost always became martyrs. And all the apostles, with the exception of John, died gruesome deaths for proclaiming and giving testimony 
to the content of Christ's revelation that he is God made man, that he rose from the dead, that he's present in the Eucharist, that he is the source of our salvation, etc., etc. These are things that got the apostles and the disciples killed, and again, brutally so, by the emperors. In fact, for the first three or four centuries, the fate of a Christian was to die or at least be marginalized to a significant degree. And so to say that they lied or had any motive to deceive, it's hard to see what that motive would be. Now, of course, there's a lot more uh, to all three steps that we went through here, but it would take a much longer podcast. Perhaps if you sign up as a member at my Patreon, which will give you access to one extended podcast every week, perhaps this will be the topic that would be good to go into for the first one. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. If these podcasts are helpful to you, please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give us a good rating. God bless.